Welcome to the inaugural episode of Brave New Workforce, the podcast changing the way the world works. My name is Trip O'Dell, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Anna Kudina and Larry Cornett. Larry, why are we here? Maybe because the way we've been working finally broke for good a couple of months ago. I think many people are trying to figure out how they're going to work, if this is going to be something they're doing for a really long time. So we want to talk about the significant and very practical ways that remote work can be the best thing to happen for professionals. We're going to be sharing a lot of different ways that we think could significantly improve the way people are working at home, their quality of life. It's going to be good for people. It's going to be good for companies. And we actually think it's going to be good for society as a whole. Yeah. And um, we've been doing remote work for years now. But what about everybody else? You've been doing it for a lot of years, Anna. Well, yeah, like 13. (laughs) (laughs) Before Tripp and I started doing this, we both worked at big Silicon Valley corporations that had, had all the great perks, all the great benefits, but came with a lot of the invisible hassles working in open offices. It's not all roses with working from home either. Both of them have its challenges, but I believe those far outweigh being stuck in traffic and time spent away from your family. I know a lot of businesses are trying to stay afloat and help their employees, but just don't know how. But it doesn't have to be as bad as it is right now, Anna. I mean, what we're doing right now is frustrating because we aren't trying to understand how remote works differently. It's like in tech, you have the same website, but it looks different on your phone versus on your computer because those two experiences work differently and they're great in different ways. It's really about a mindset shift at the individual, but also at sort of the corporate and institutional, even the societal level. So how do you mean that, trip? Well, this has all happened before. You have big things that happen in history, wars and pandemics, social unrest. Mm, maybe give me an example. Oh, geez. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about the Black Death? <laughs> uh, delicious. Seriously. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that events like the Black Death, the 1918 pandemic, World War II, they were all followed by eras where women entered the workforce. They got the right to vote quickly after that, and they became more financially independent. Um, the 1950s was one of the biggest economic booms in human history. And the Black Death, as scary and as tragic as that was, led to the collapse of feudalism, the institution of serfdom, the rise of the middle class as a thing. I mean, they were rich and poor. There was no middle in those days. And there's a lot of scholars that believe that it ultimately led to the Renaissance. Uh, That's a bold claim. Yeah, that's a lot of big words. Okay, look, both of you know how disruption work. We've lived that for decades in our careers. Uh, yeah. I mean, decades, though. Well, yeah. Larry and I are old, especially Larry. Yeah. Keep it moving, Trip. <laughs> Big changes to how people work and changes the way that we live. Uh, the same goes for tech. How much have smartphones changed things or the internet? I mean, you can't even talk about the 21st century without the internet. Those are blips compared to what's happening right now. The thing is, is that Events like this come around and they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, hurricanes and tsunamis and wars and technology changes and social changes. They all change how we live. And COVID-19 is like a big old comet, right? But And there's going to be fuzzy mammals and there's going to be dinosaurs. There's always winners and losers when you have that kind of a big change. And this is going to change things for the better. 
this is going to be the upside of disruption for more people. That makes sense. But how do we create more winners than, than losers? Well, okay. Right now, we're, we're living two lives separated by 15 miles. Uh, most people commute. If you've got an hour commute back and forth, 233 days a year, that's 52 eight-hour work days uh, a year that you're sitting in traffic, right? The opportunity costs alone, that's time you're not spending with your family or your side hustle or your dream or your hobbies. It's going to change the way that schools work because you can't have kids home full time. But schools, they can't close down for months at a time and they shouldn't close down for a blizzard. You've got parents that are always having to look at this trade-off between work and career. And a lot of people have to opt out of a career that they love because they want to do the right thing for their kids. It affects women because you look at like, how do you keep more women into the workforce and get them more into leadership roles when they don't have to take that break in the middle of their career to raise their children. That affects pay, the commute, like you look at the environment, you look at traffic, you look at just the ability to have a hobby. It's all big, good stuff. Yeah. And I like to kind of focus on the people aspects because remote work can grant a lot of freedom. Um, just like you said, 52 days a year is a lot of time that you can spend and dedicate to your families. I think that's what the podcast is really about. It's trying to optimize your happiness so that you can pursue things and connect deeper uh, with the people that you really love and have work as sort of kind of a addition to what you do. And hopefully you enjoy it. And if you're if you don't, that's another topic for another day. But definitely bring a new freedom that we can have because of the internet and because of technology. I mean, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, a lot of people have pursued starting their own businesses to get that freedom, to have that flexibility. And it's like 54% of our economy in the US. So we've been watching what's been happening with everyone and those businesses being paused and some of them being shut down. So we want to help them too. How do we get those businesses back on track? How do we help people there? Absolutely. We're really talking about reinventing the American dream. We're talking about how do you bring more people to the table, whether you're, you know, on the coasts or you're in the middle, how do we get it back so that the system works more for more people? Yeah. And I also want to mention, this is not the American podcast. I mean, this is something that affects the worldwide economy. And so although it's American focused, because both Larry and uh, Tripp are located in the United States, I do want to mention that I'm in Costa Rica. I've been doing this for over 10 years. So it doesn't have to be just the Americans figuring all this stuff out either. I think that's a great point, Anna. Obviously, we've got a lot of diverse opinions here in this podcast. But let's talk about introductions. Anna, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so I'm originally from Singapore. I've lived in Costa Rica for the last, ooh, I stopped counting after 10 years, 15 years. Um, I have a background in content marketing. I started my career as a web developer. I've had career transitions before I got to this point, but it's all been online. I've always been self-employed. When I came to Costa Rica, the school systems was a bit different to a Singaporean education, and I was homeschooled online. I had access to teachers all over the world in the United States, college educate, like college professors teaching me and giving me a fantastic education. I taught myself how to code at 11. Now I've designed my life where I can travel all over the world. I use Costa Rica as a home base, and I consult to clients in Europe, Asia, the United States, how to build a better brand, get clarity on who they want to target online, 
And so this is why the uh, podcast, it's so exciting because there's so much to cover. Work has suddenly changed and all of a sudden everyone is trying to figure this out. It's crazy how fast uh, all of this has happened. Anna, you've worked remotely for your entire career. You've lived all over the world. It's a different mindset. You've got to think about things like cybersecurity. You've got to think about how you connect tools and process that connect people across time zones. Tell us a little bit about the, the security aspects or the tools aspects. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, one of my clients, I worked with them for about a year in the cybersecurity space, and it was eye-opening. It kind of made me reconnect with my love for tech again. And it made it, it's important, like cybersecurity, so many financial institutions due to regulations, due to trying to protect their people are so hesitant on being a remote company because then it breaks out to like, how can I protect 300 employees who are all living in different locations? I've worked with clients where they'll literally send social security numbers over email. And you're just like, oh, uh, you know, there's just so much better ways where you can encrypt that information, send important payment information, social security, whatever, um, all, all safely. And you can do that remotely. And I think a lot of those mainstream businesses, financial institutions, medical institutions, they're dipping their toes into how can we make this work and have it be safe and work better for our customers and even be more profitable. Uh, you know, it's how do you bring that mainstream? So speaking of mainstream, Larry, you've been on both sides of that and very successful in a traditional career as a top executive at top companies. Um, but you moved remote about a decade ago when you became a venture advisor and executive coach and CEO. And you've been talking about a disruption like this for a long time. How, how long has it been? How, how long have we been talking about this together? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's probably been about seven years. I mean, we met at a conference in Canada of all places. Yeah, that was an amazing conference. That was the flux. We were at the first flexible conference. It's still one of my favorite speaking engagements. Such a great weekend. So many great points of view. And, and that's really, I mean, honestly, that's where you kind of became my coach and my mentor over the years. And you've helped a lot of startups and executives in tech, including me. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, my story is kind of strange. I mean, I got started in psychology. So I have a, a PhD in psychology and that led me into creating usable software and focusing on human computer interaction. So I, I came out to Silicon Valley long, long ago and uh, started doing design work at companies like, you know, IBM, Apple. I was at eBay and Yahoo. I even had my own startup that I founded was a CEO. So I spent you know, probably almost 30 years in the tech industry and about 20 of those in Silicon Valley. And I guess, you know, it was probably about 10 years ago that I left the corporate world and initially was just going to do some consulting and try to figure out where I was going to go next. But the longer that it went on, I kind of took Anna's path and said, what if I just stay consulting forever? And so I, I did. I haven't had a corporate job in 10 years. And I've really been enjoying it and it's given me a lot of freedom and flexibility in my career. So I advise startups and, and tech companies still, um, but I'm really focused on being an executive coach for leaders in tech, working on people's careers in tech and trying to help those individuals and kind of going through this transition that's happening right now. This happened to me maybe five years ago where I was doing all my work online and doing it remotely and doing it over the phone and video conference. And you start to ask that question, like, why am I living where I live, especially in Silicon Valley, which is really expensive, if everything I'm doing is online? 
And so I moved. I moved closer to the mountains, into the forest, and my work has not changed. But now my quality of life has. So, I mean, Trip, you have a pretty interesting backstory too. So why don't you tell us a little about your background? You mean like the fact that my life is like Forrest Gump, the sequel? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've lived all over the place. I mean, I grew up in Washington, D.C., um, you know, went to college in Ohio. And, and one of the things that is I grew up with severe dyslexia, right? And that has informed a lot of the decisions I've made. And, and there's a lot of superpowers that go with that. Um, I studied to be a teacher in college. Uh, I became a coach and uh, really focused on uh, te how technology can transform lives and, and empower people. Because my early experience, I taught myself to read using audiobooks. Well, books on tape. The first time that I used a word processor, it actually showed that I was a talented writer. And then, so I became a teacher and I became a volunteer on a reservation out in South Dakota. And saw how that technology was changing the lives of my kids and the stories that they could tell. And I really looked at like how that could empower people. And so I taught high school for a number of years and then I went to graduate school and uh, looked at the psychology of the cognitive science, how people interact with media and computers. I stumbled into the field that I've worked in for most of my career, which is human-centered design. And that was more than 15 years ago. And I love it because tech can change the world and uh, make life easier. And I've worked at Adobe and Microsoft and Amazon and startups and lived all over the country. And I've also sold meat door to door in rural Ohio and, you know, waited tables and dug ditches. And a lot of the things that I learned, you know, especially at a place like Amazon is how do you get a crazy idea into a killer product? And we talked about customer obsession. Like, how do you actually make it about people? I learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work with both large and small teams. And now I work and consult with companies and investors on product strategy, on how to change the way that their business works and looking at it from that people-centered, working backwards, Amazon style. And so, and I also do a lot of coaching and mentoring sometimes with Larry on advising leaders who are ready to break through into more senior roles in their career and to do it in a way that feels like it has integrity and um, the kind of leadership we need for a time like this. Trip, why are you excited about the shift to uh, remote teams? Look, I've always liked talking about big ideas. Uh, you know, obviously, like you, you, you guys are great at like keeping me grounded. But like, I think the fact that I've lived all over the country, like I grew up in D.C., college in Ohio, back to D.C., South Dakota, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Indiana, Wisconsin, California, New Jersey, and now Washington. And I've lived in really remote areas and I've worked and lived in big cities. Um, and I've, I've seen a lot and I see what technology can do for a lot of those people. And the way that we're working now, it goes all the way back to the 19th century in factories. People went to factories and they started working in offices and were blue collar or white collar because that's where the investment was. The equipment was the capital. Now in an information age and knowledge workers, the people are the capital and that can be anywhere. And you want to keep those people happy because that's going to make your business profitable. In tech, everybody's always working hard to disrupt old businesses. But when you move fast and break things for a living, uh, a lot of stuff gets broken that shouldn't. And I think there's a lot of things about work that are broken, right? Because we haven't rethought the problem. So I like solving gnarly problems. I like putting people at the center of what we do. Um, and I think there's just 
I'm too much of an optimist to not see a huge opportunity to replace something that wasn't working for a lot of people. And it takes an optimist to see opportunities in disaster. Uh, and there's a lot of fear right now, but I think there's a lot more upside in the long term. Larry, how about you? I think I'm excited because as scary as it is right now and as disruptive as it is right now, we're in the middle of a revolution. And you kind of mentioned this, but the first and second industrial revolutions pulled people from the country into cities. I grew up in the country. I got pulled into the city. And the impact is, you know, it's both good and bad. There's a lot of good things that come with the culture in the cities, but there's a lot of bad too. There's a lot of bad things that come with overpopulation, rising housing prices, and feeling essentially trapped. So even the transition to a knowledge economy that we've had, this third revolution, still pulled people into the cities. We've seen everybody being drawn into the tech centers. It was Silicon Valley. There are other tech hubs, but people feel like they have to leave their homes to move to a place where they can get a job with a big company in a big city. So that creates even more issues. And I, I lived this in Silicon Valley. It was a great place when I first moved out there, but it became really crowded. The hyper growth dropped the quality of life. People can no longer afford to live there. Housing shortages. So why I'm excited is that I see that this remote revolution is going to redistribute jobs, opportunities, and even wealth back into all the smaller communities that had this brain drain. The quality of life and the availability of opportunities is going to improve for everyone, both in the cities, but also in these remote communities. So are you talking about socialism or are you talking about like, what kind of a system are you talking about? I mean, are we talking about universal basic income? What are we, like, cause we're talking about business. Like you, you're saying that there's upside. I think the upside is that I can have a job with any company anywhere in the world and I can choose where I live. That essentially now gives me the freedom to make choices about who I work for, how I do my work and my quality of life and how I spend my time in a way that I never could before. So you're still working, it's still capitalism, there's still jobs, there's still companies, but you're no longer being forced to relocate and uproot your family and change everything. I mean, I left my family. All of my family's in the Midwest. I have no family here. We had no family here while we're raising our family. And it was hard. You know, it can be lonely at times. It doesn't have to happen anymore. And that's, that's something that like, I think that's one of the first things that we connected on is like, my wife and I left Silicon Valley 10 years ago. Uh, and we described ourselves as economic refugees because we wanted to decide whether we were gonna have another child or not. And that's a lifelong decision that you shouldn't have to be making on the basis of rent uh, in order to do a job that you love. And I, I think you're right. There is a ton of opportunity. Anna, you're a little bit younger than Larry and I. We sort of, well, let's just say we bookend Generation X. Um, but the other day I saw an op-ed in the Washington Post that called millennials the unluckiest generation in history. Many people in your generation have had to deal with a lot in the last 20 years. Um, what makes you excited and hopeful? I mean, you should be pissed off, but like what makes you excited and hopeful about this moment and the change that we're going to see? Well, first of all, journalists are so jaded. I mean, what I've learned is that the human race is very good at withstanding pending doom. I mean, we've survived a lot in this world, so I highly doubt the millennials are that doomed. In terms of excitement, um, 
I mean, this is the future. So there's so much opportunity for growth, you know, and this is my space. It can be so um, overwhelming to find clarity in how to reach out to different demographics, um, especially online. And I can help you with that. Um, with my background in communication, I mean, I've worked for companies like, uh, you know, big brands like Evernote and the World Wildlife Fund. And so I understand the importance of communication, especially online. It can be very difficult communicating in person, much less, you know, online. And how do you even navigate that? Um, there's some excellent tools and systems you can implement so that everyone is on the same page. And I honestly think, you know, just from doing this for so long, I think online communication can actually be easier than in person because there's at least an outline or a paper trail people can regularly refer back to. So, uh, yeah, wow. Uh, we, <laughs> we have a lot of ground to cover. What are you looking forward to the most this season, Anna? Yeah. So for me personally, um, branding, finding your marketing voice in a, a, you know, in a messy digital world. Um, the second point would probably be business optimization. I'm very passionate about that. You know, how to get your teams to communicate virtually and effectively uh, systems and processes. How do you use tools for collaboration and also how to protect that information as everybody is scattered across the world? You know, cybersecurity is a is a big, big topic, especially in the news today. You see a lot of hacks happening, hackers taking advantage of people's disorganization and that can be completely preventable. Uh, and then the, I think the third major point is basically addressing any kind of common concerns our listeners might have on how to really uh, transition from a physical to a virtual world. Because I can imagine it, you can be quite skeptical. Like there's these three people who are, have been in tech basically all their lives. What about, you know, somebody who doesn't even have or own a computer? Like how does one manage that? And even with different business models, I'm pretty optimistic that even the impossible cannot be converted from physical to digital, can be converted over with a little bit of creativity. Yeah, I love those points. I mean, I especially that last one, I've, I've been talking with so many people because of what we're dealing with over the past few months about that very last point. It's like, well, how do I turn my business into something that could be online? How do I work online? And it's it's a little scary for people. And so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. Well, and like all innovation looks obvious in retrospect. I mean, there were quote unquote smartphones before the iPhone, but it took rethinking the whole way that that worked, what that thing could do to totally change things. And so, Anna, I'm really excited about some of those things too. And uh, what about you guys? What are you guys looking forward to? Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, it's really kind of comes down to three things. One is just making sure that we have equal opportunity for everyone. That's really important. And I think this transition to a remote working world makes that more possible than ever before. With that comes a ton of freedom. And I've really become a huge believer in the freedom that this enables in your life. I've experienced it. And so I, I want to show other people how that's possible. And that all kind of ties into what I believe in in my other business is taking ownership of your career. I talk about becoming invincible, that you decide who you work for, you decide how you work, you decide the kind of people you want to partner with, and you get to choose how that works with your life and start to actually have a life. So that's that's important to me. And uh, what about you, Trip? I'm passionate about a lot of things, right? I think the things I'm most excited about is how do we help the little guy? And we're talking to some great small business owners that, Anna, just like you said, are rethinking the way the business could be done. I'm super passionate about education because it's a broken system and that's the foundation of a workforce. The big systems changes. I like those big gnarly problems. I like talking about them. 
I like talking to people that know even more about them than we do. And we're going to, we're, we're going to be lining up CEOs and scholars and governmental leaders, like people from all over the world that want to be part of this conversation and talk about the good things to come. And that's super exciting for me. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be so much fun because I, I love that we're talking about things that are huge in terms of the impact to society, to our economy, the way that we work, but also down to the the pragmatic and the practical of like, how does an individual make the most of this transition to remote work? So yeah, I'm excited too. So that was episode one. Um, congrats guys. This has been a long road. This has been a lot of work, but I think we're so excited about it. It's been worth it. And this is just the beginning. So Anna, tell us what's up next. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the next up and coming episode. It is with Tom Pazika. He was actually featured on the Food Network, um, has owned a restaurant or has been in the food industry for at least 20 years. Yeah, well, you know, Tom and I go way back. We've known each other since we were kids. And yeah, uh, yeah. so he's he's had a really interesting journey and been that guy that's really gone for it every point in his career. He's thriving that episode kind of showcases how you can transform a restaurant model into a digital model, at least partially, and use automation to get a lot of the manual legwork out of the way so that you can focus on just being the chef. One of the things he talks about is like, he loves food. He loves feeding people. And he's found a way to do that without having to live a restaurant lifestyle. He can have time with his family. He's earning more. His margins are higher uh, and his customers love him. So if you liked what you heard today, I think you should uh, subscribe, email us, let us know what you think, uh, future topics you'd like us to cover. And you can also check us out at thebraveworkforce.com or bravenewcompanies.com. Well, so that's it, guys. Episode one of The Brave New Workforce. Thanks for listening. Uh, This is Trip. This is Anna. And this is Larry. Saying have a great week and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Better days are ahead.